This morning's Bible reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Amen. Tom, so good to see you, mate. Happy Easter to you. Thanks. Yeah, wow. So, uh, mate, you, uh, uh, you've got something to share yeah. with us. Uh, do you want to tell us yeah. what that's about? Yeah, I found an infinite supply of Easter eggs. Wow. <laughs> what? You're kidding me. So that bag there, you're, you're saying that this is an infinite supply of Easter eggs, that it'll never run out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it, I think it's pretty exciting. I mean, I've spent a lot of money on Easter eggs this Easter, so if I had this, it would have saved me a whole heap of money. Yeah, but I reckon if I'd found an infinite supply of Easter eggs, I'd probably be a little bit more excited. What do you reckon, kids? Yeah, does anyone think they could have a go at showing us what it would, you know, really look like to get excited about an infinite supply of Easter eggs? Nate, what do you reckon? What would you say? Nah, a bit shy. Abby, what would you do? Well, come and show us. Come and show us. <laughs> Give her a clap. Good on you, Abby. Well done. So what would you do if you found an infinite supply of Easter eggs? What would you do? I would jump up and down and go, Yay, I've got an infinite supply of Easter eggs. How do you say it? <laughs> an infinite supply of Easter eggs. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I think that's, I reckon that's what I'd do too. Good on you, Abby. Take a seat. Um, Tom, I reckon you probably need to cheer up a little. Uh, but how about you go take a seat? Thanks for sharing that really exciting news with us. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, look, I, I've got Tom's infinite supply of Easter eggs here, and I'm going to just leave it on the stage over here so you can kind of have a little bit of a look at it. It's a very nice bag, by the way, Tom. Um, okay, let's leave that there. All right, well, guys, uh, Easter, Tom came in and he told us a really great announcement. He wasn't that excited about it, was he? He was a little bit bored. He told us this really great announcement. Easter is all about a really great announcement. It's about a really great announcement. It's what we heard in the Bible reading, the, a word called gospel. Can everyone say gospel? Gospel. It's a word called gospel. It just means a great, great news. Um, uh, there we go. It just means great news. Um, uh, back when the Bible was written, often this, use would, this word would be talked about winning a great battle. So the next picture up here, imagine you're in a city and there's a great enemy that's going to attack you. You're waiting for news from your soldiers who've gone out to fight against the enemy and you're really nervous, you're really anxious and in the distance you see this guy running his heart out, he's running and he's yelling something, you don't know what it is and as he gets closer you hear him and gets as close uh, so that you can hear him, he gets up to the castle where you are, or the town where you are and he's yelling out, he's screaming out, Great news! We've won! We've won! We're free! We won the battle! We've won the victory! Everyone chucks a party at that point. Well, that guy running up there, he was preaching a gospel. He was giving out great news that was meant to make everyone rejoice. It was great news about an incredible victory. 
Well, that's what we heard about in the Bible reading that was read earlier, this great news. Uh, this guy called Paul is writing this letter to, the, to a church in a place called Corinth, and he says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. Uh, the people Paul uh, were writing to, he says they had heard this great news. They'd had, like, like Paul was like that runner running towards them, shouting out this incredible, great, joyful news. He says they'd heard it, they'd received it, they'd taken their stand on it, and they'd entrusted their lives to it. They'd, they'd taken their stand on this news. And Paul says that they were saved by it, by this gospel, you were saved. These guys had faced a terrible enemy, something that they needed saving from, and they'd heard this great gospel that Paul had brought to them, this great news. Uh, they'd heard it and they were free. They took their stand on it and they were saved. Nothing else could save them. If they believed in anything else, they would have believed in vain. Uh, and so it's no surprise that Paul says this great news that was brought to them, he says it's of first importance. First importance. So what is it? What is this great announcement, this good news, this gospel? Well, we heard it in the Bible reading. When Paul tells this great news, he's like that guy running to the city to say, we're free uh, we've won the victory. When Paul tells that, he tells a story. He tells a story. He tells the story of one man who lived about 20 years before Paul wrote this letter. It was just about 20 years. Paul tells this story. Uh, it's a simple story, but for Paul and for everyone who has taken their stand on this story and been saved by it, it is the most wonderful story ever told. He says, Christ... That's another word for Jesus, that Jesus died for our sins. Sin is the great enemy, friends, the great problem, the thing that we need saving from. Uh, we were made to live under God's good and loving rule with Him as our King, uh, but we put ourselves in God's place. We seek to become kings over our own lives, and that's a problem. It's a problem that separates us from God and it puts us under His judgment. But the wonder of Easter is that we, in our sin, we put ourselves in God's place. God, in His great love, put Himself in our place. That's what Easter Friday was all about. That's what we celebrated. God putting Himself in our place, taking the punishment we deserve, the death we should die to save us. Christ died for our sins. It was according to the Scriptures, all part of God's great plan. And He was buried, Paul says. He didn't just pass out. He didn't just kind of um, sleep for a little while, he was really, really dead, and that could have been the end of the story, right? It could have been the end of the story, it would have been a nice story about Jesus dying on the cross. But friends, this is why this gospel is such good news. It's good news for us today. Why Easter Sunday is such a great day to celebrate, why we can have confidence that this news is true, because this wasn't the end of the story. He wasn't just buried. Paul goes on, he was raised on the third day. Something totally unique happened, something that had never happened before, something that's never happened since. Death couldn't hold Jesus. He rose again, he broke its power, and he appeared to his followers, his disciples. We're going to think about that in a minute. Hold that thought. Uh, but that's a simple story, right? Jesus died for our sins, all according to God's great plan. He was buried, and he rose again. Corinthians 15, from verses 6 to 11. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, 
though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Uh, Guys, I have something down here. It's not a set of glasses. It's quite small, but it's pretty special. So, I wonder if anyone wants to see if they could tell me what this is. There you go. I'll try and get it out without breaking it. Anyone? Can have a look? Can you see that? What do you reckon it is? How about you guys? I reckon you can tell me what this is. Do you know what that is? Any ideas? Oh, snail shell. Good guess. It's not a snail shell. It's something hanging from a leaf. Can you see that? It's a little thing hanging from a leaf. This, you reckon you know, Bryony? It's a cocoon. Or what was a cocoon, a chrysalis, for a little caterpillar that went through an incredible transformation. Well, uh, sometimes things can go through transformations like that. Have you ever, you know, a butterfly turns from a caterpillar into a butterfly. You've got tadpoles. Have you ever seen a tadpole that kind of grows its little legs? And we're going to show a video of an amazing transformation. uh, What happened to that uh, that little uh, thing that went into its cocoon? Isn't it amazing? This incredible transformation from a creepy, crawly, slimy caterpillar into this beautiful butterfly. Isn't it stunning? Uh, The same sort of thing happened to everyone, actually, who heard the good news that Paul was talking about, this gospel, this great announcement about a great victory. The same sort of thing, in an even more dramatic way, happened to the people who heard it. Not just remember who heard it, but they received it and they took their stand on it on that great news, the same sort of transformation. It changed people's lives, and it happened to lots of people. I don't know if you picked this up when we had it read, uh, but there were 500 people. That's uh, about twi- oh, more than twice as many people here, more actually that, that could fill this room. It would be overflowing out of this room. It says more than 500 people. Paul says something really interesting, though. Did you notice this as we went along? He says that these 500 people that saw Jesus... And they heard the news about his resurrection. They actually saw him and they put their trust in him. Uh, He says something interesting. He said, most of whom are still living. Now, why would you say that? Why would Paul put this in his letter? He's writing this just 20 years after all these things happened. Now, uh, uh, I think the reason is something like this. Now, we had Tom tell us about his magic bag before, right? His never-ending supply of Easter eggs. Uh, If I wanted to check whether Tom's great announcement was true or if he was just having us on, it would be pretty easy to investigate, right? All I'd have to do is grab the, you know, maybe sneak in and take his bag off him and start pulling the Easter eggs out and start getting rid of them and let's see if it's never-ending. Do you guys want some Easter eggs? Oh, how are your catching skills? Want another one? Here you go. Anyone else want an Easter egg? Here you go, guys. Here we go. Let's throw them all out. Let's get rid of them. There's a few over here. There's some up here. Come on, guys. Take some Easter eggs. Pass them on. 
There you go. Good on you. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, the kids who haven't got some. Yeah, you'll want some. Here we go. Up here. Here we go. Good on you guys. Happy Easter. Wow, this, I mean, there are a lot of eggs in here, I have to say. So I think Tom's claim might be correct. Hi, David. Nice to see you. Oh, here you go, guys. Oh, no, maybe not for the baby. Uh, over here. There's some Easter eggs, guys. Happy Easter. Uh, anyone else? I've still got a lot of Easter eggs over here. I am, I think Tom might have been right. There you go. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Any other kids who don't have one? There, this to be you and Yasmin. Over here. Oh, wow. I'm getting tired. Okay, here you go. What do you reckon? Do you think Tom was right? He does have a never-ending supply of Easter eggs in his magic bag. Okay, anyone else? Here you go, Steve. Here you go, Jane. Here you go, Tom. Oh. Uh-oh. Thomas Hodge. How many times do I have to tell you not to fool everyone into thinking you have a magic bag of Easter eggs? If I wanted to check Tom's great claim, his great announcement that he had a never-ending supply of Easter eggs, it wouldn't be too hard for me to do that, right? I, in fact, I just did, and we can tell that he was having us on a little bit. Well, it's the same sort of thing here. Paul's saying this, in, this is an incredible claim. He knows that this is an amazing thing that he's claiming, that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again from the dead. He knows it's an amazing claim, but he's saying here, you can go and check it out. You can go and check it out. He's saying to the people who first read his letter just 20 years after Jesus, go chase up those 500 people. Most of them are still alive. You can go and talk to them and they'll tell you, they'll say, I don't, really under, I don't fully understand it. It sort of breaks every category that I had in my mind. Uh, it's totally incredible, but I saw him. I touched him. I heard him. I spent time with him. 500 people. And it wasn't just some kind of vision. It wasn't just him being sort of raised up in my heart or something like that. He was really there, flesh and blood. Raised from the dead. And it changed everything. Everything was different after seeing and meeting Jesus raised from the dead. That's what they would have said. These, these hundreds and hundreds of people at the time. And Paul's saying, go and check them out. Go talk to them. It didn't just change their lives, it changed Paul's life. Maybe you picked that up as we read through. He underwent this total transformation as well. Uh, Paul was the greatest hater of Jesus and of all his followers, and he went to being one of Jesus' greatest proclaimers. He said, I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am. For all those people 2,000 years ago, they heard this news, it changed everything. Jesus lives, he rose from the grave, and friends, that means that he is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 to 22. But if, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him uh, if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. 
then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Uh, Well, friends, sometimes uh, things that look great, so this is pretty great news, right? Uh, But sometimes things that look great uh, can just come tumbling down. Have a check out this video. It's pretty tragic, I have to warn you. I think I'd be pretty gutted if it happened to me. But just have a look at this video. Brian is a 1990 graduate of Northern, and uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about this amazing structure. Well, it's, as you can see, the uh, the Leaning Tower Pisa, um, it's about 12,000 blocks. It took over two weekends to build, and um, I'm really excited because next week, uh, the Guinness Book of World Records team are going to come to evaluate it, and I'm really looking forward to that. Well, that must be pretty exciting. What other projects have you done? Um, Just after 9-11, I did the Empire State Building, and last Christmas, I did the Rockefeller Center. That's great. Maybe you can uh, tell me. Excuse me. It's a little embarrassing. Probably should turn this off. Uh, You're going to have to excuse me. I've got to take this. I'm really sorry. Jeez, Brian, I don't know what to say. I'm really really sorry about this. I I guess uh, guess we'll go back to uh, Dale. Oh, what a, how tragic would it, how would you feel if that happened? Uh, Well, Paul says, when, and we read it from 1 Corinthians just then, Paul says that if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, if he hasn't been raised from the dead, then Christianity, the message about Jesus, it, it's kind of like that tower, actually. It, it, it crumbles. It crumbles. Uh, this great news would be useless. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Uh, the great author, uh, the guy who wrote the Narnia series, C.S. Lewis, he put it like this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, is of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. The reason why this news is so wonderfully good, friends, the the reason why it is of infinite importance to you, the reason why it is so good, the reason why Jesus is not like that Jenga tower, the reason why he is someone you can entrust your life to, comes in those incredible words in verse 20, but Christ is indeed, has indeed been raised from the dead. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Jesus' resurrection changes everything. It opens up a new world where you can be completely and freely forgiven for everything that you have done, every sin. 
for your life of ignoring God. It means that you can have a new, not only forgiven for your past, you can have a new life here and now, and it means you can have an unshakable hope in the future. All those who trust Christ will share in his defeat of death. Uh, Paul calls this uh, Jesus' resurrection the first fruits. If, uh, we read it as we went through. He calls it the first fruits of those uh, who have fallen asleep. Jesus' resurrection is the first one that guarantees all the rest, that says the rest are coming. And if you're trusting in Christ, Jesus' resurrection cries out of a new eternal world. In this world of darkness, this world of rebellion and sin, this world of brokenness, Jesus' resurrection speaks, proclaims a gospel, speaks good news of great joy, of a world of light and life. Friends, over the next two weeks, we're going to be reading through the rest of this incredible chapter of Paul's letter uh, that we've started reading through. We'd love it for you to come back and continue to think through these things, uh, to have a look, uh, uh, look. We're going to look more next week at the future hope that this resurrection of Jesus guarantees for us this future hope. And that's incredible. Uh, please come back next week. The week after, we're going to see not only the, the, the hope that we have, but the way the resurrection of Jesus shapes life here and now, today, uh, giving us a purpose and a meaning that can never be taken away. Oh, friends, this great news changed lives 2,000 years ago. We've seen a little bit of that today. It changed lives 2,000 years ago, and it's been changing lives ever since. Uh, this great news can change your life if you will not only hear it, but receive it. Take your stand on it. We all take our stand on something. All of us do that. We all stand on something. Uh, friends, is what you're standing on good news is what you're building your life on solid certain is it able to give you eternal hope is it the sort of good news that when you receive it and hear it can fill you with joy even in the midst of your struggle and pain can fill you with a kind of peace that you will never know in any other way the good news of Jesus his death and resurrection has been proclaimed for 2,000 years. Friends, that same good news has been proclaimed to you this morning as we gather together on this wonderful Easter Sunday. Today is a great day. Actually, today's a great day to do just what those first readers of this letter did. Not only to hear this news but for yourself to receive it, to take your stand on it, and yourself to be saved. Friends, I'm going to pray now. I'm going to pray a prayer. Uh, perhaps it's a prayer that you've prayed before. If so, please pray along with me in your, in your head. Uh, if you haven't prayed this kind of a prayer before, though, I invite you to. If, if uh, this news about complete forgiveness about eternal hope, about a new life with meaning and purpose. If that's something that you today would like to receive, not only to hear, but to receive in your own heart, in your own mind, to take your stand on, to build your life on, I invite you to pray along in the quietness of your own mind with me 
as I pray this prayer. Uh, so I'm going to pray, and I'll leave a, a few pauses after each line, uh, and perhaps you can just follow along in your own head if you'd like to. Let's pray together, friends. God, I thank you for the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection. I admit my sin before you. I have not lived loving you as I ought to. I've not lived loving my neighbour as myself. Thank you for your great love in sending Jesus to die in my place to forgive my sin and give me an eternal hope through his resurrection from the dead. I hold out my empty hands to receive this great gift and I entrust myself to you. Help me to live from today onwards remembering and rejoicing in the great news of Easter and in the wonderful name of Jesus we pray, the one who loved us and gave himself up for us. Amen. Friends, perhaps for you that's the first time you've prayed a prayer like that. Uh, I'd love to talk to you afterwards if that's the case. Um, if not, perhaps you could just mention that to the person you came with. I think we're going to have a song now. Is that right? Yeah, so I'll hand it back over to Steve to introduce that. Thanks. What great news. Uh, one thing's for certain. Uh, if this is true, that Jesus died and did rise from the dead, and he did indeed, as Paul said, then one thing is sure, that if we have heard and received that wonderful news then we have a wonderful assurance ourselves, don't we? That's become clear. And our next song uh, is a reflection on that. We have a blessed assurance that Jesus can be ours uh, and that when we die, we are merely asleep. We will rise again like him uh, and be with him forever. In Acts 2.24, Peter says, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Let us pray. Lord, on this Resurrection Sunday we rejoice. Your victory over death is complete. Father God, King of all creation, we thank you that you are all love and our wonderful Saviour. As a fulfilment of Old Testament prophecy, at a particular point of time in history, you looked down from heaven, saw the turmoil, strife and sinfulness of man, and you did something that astounded the universe. You sent your son Jesus to live among us, die on the cross of Calvary and be raised from the dead on the third day so that we can have the free gift of eternal life if we trust in you. We ask your blessing upon this church and every family represented we pray for our ministry team here as they preach the good news of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you have made all things new. Thank you, too, for the victory and power in your name. Father, you hold the keys over death because your son was raised from the grave, paving the way for us to have new life with him. And because of the resurrection, we, too, can live. You have removed forever the sting of death. 
This morning we confess our needs to you and we ask that you will renew our hearts, minds and lives for the time ahead. We ask that you will keep your words of truth planted firmly in us, help us to keep focused on what is pure and right and give us the power to be obedient to your word. We pray for our world, especially war-torn countries in the Middle East who for decades have known nothing but unrest. We also bring before you children over there who continue to be victims of constant barbaric cruelty and persecution. Father, it is only you, the great and compassionate creator, who can change the hearts of people and give them hope. We bring before you those in our church who are struggling with ill health and grieving the loss of loved ones. Comfort them, Lord, in their time of pain and stress. We also pray, Father, for non-believers, some known to us who blaspheme your name and ridicule the Christian church. Change them, Lord, and help them to accept you as Lord and Saviour of their lives. And Father, on this Resurrection Sunday, we bring our great nation before you. Your word teaches us to pray for our leaders. We pray, Lord, that our members of parliament will make responsible decisions that are wise, honourable and pleasing to you. Take and use us, Father, to love, serve and witness to people about your great love. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.